Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, social and illicit drug usage. Um, and I want to start by talking about um, characteristics in probably one of the more high-risk groups out there for using these types of, of drugs, and that would be uh, our high school or adolescent age individuals. So some of these characteristics of drug abusers that we see in high schoolers are that they um, are rather rebellious in nature. They um, are alienated. Uh, they're nonconforming. They accept deviant behavior in others. They have a lack of ambition and a lack of commitment to school. They can be impulsive. Uh, they're preoccupied by this pleasure-seeking type of behavior with minimal concern of risk for others. They also have uh, poor problem-solving and poor coping skills with a low self-esteem of themselves, uh, as well as some kind of history of physical or psych uh, illness. Now, they don't have to have all of these things, but these are things that we're commonly seeing with uh, individuals who are abusing drugs in, in the adolescent age. Um, and so there can obviously be some translation of these things into other other groups, but this particular study uh, was done with high schoolers. So keep those things in mind. Um, first uh, drug that we're going to talk about in this particular podcast is alcohol. And we know that alcohol can come in, in many different forms, but particularly we're talking about uh, our, our spirits, our hard liquors, um, wine, as well as beer. And... We actually can consider alcohol to be a performance-enhancing drug because in certain sports where maybe they need to be steady in the hand, for example, with archery or shooting sport, alcohol can actually decrease any kind of maybe resting tremors, um, help improve balance to a certain extent, and improve even maybe throwing accuracy or shooting accuracy. And we're talking about minimal, minimal levels like 0.01 to 0.05 grams per deciliter of alcohol when we're in the blood. Um, but we talk about chronic usage uh, of alcohol. We know that it can lead to things like cirrhosis, heart disease, diabetes, uh, mental disorders, um, delays in tissue healing and tissue building. Um, and then can also long-term effects can have adverse effects of uh, mental and physical impairments, slurred speech, deficits in coordination or reaction time, decreased visual acuity, dehydration, as well as acidic metabolites. So there's there's byproducts of metabolism that occur and can build up and can slightly alter uh pH levels um, to be slightly more acidic. Um, keep in mind, though, that, that alcohol and what's considered a drink uh, varies between males to females. Um, it can also vary a little bit based upon size, but by and large, we, we say um, that it is uh, more sex-dependent than anything else. Um, another social drug that we see used a lot of times is tobacco. We know that there's over 4,000 different chemicals in tobacco. Um, many of them are carcinogens or cancer-causing agents, uh, but it's the nicotine in tobacco that makes it addictive. Um, and so what this nicotine does is it reduces this monoamine oxidase B activity, which causes dopamine breakdown, and it reduces a motivating behavior. Long-term adverse effects, I'm sure you know many of these. We're talking about lung damage because of things like the cilia are overworked and, and damaged, which can result in a scarring of airway passages. There is some stimulatory factors with tobacco, uh, like small tremors, shaking, agitation, even nausea or vomiting. Um, and there can also be things like irregular heartbeats, uh, increased clotting mechanisms, increased uh, circulating triglyceride levels even, or even narrowing of the coronary artery disease. So there's a lot of, of bad cardiovascular type things that can occur with tobacco. 
The thing to, too, to keep in mind um, is that there is no quote-unquote safe version of tobacco, that it doesn't really matter what the medium of absorption is, whether that's through um, smoke or chew, um, that these can be dangerous. Something that we don't have a ton of data on right now, but it is something to think about, is the vaping. Um, these are not safe alternatives. There's no evidence to suggest that these are safe alternatives to traditional tobacco use. Um, if anything, we're, we're noticing that these actually may be even more dangerous. Um, in recent times, we are, we're looking more as to what, what these do, but there's something that you may have seen or heard of called popcorn lung. Um, and this, this name is derived because the chemical that gives um, microbial popcorn its flavor is the chemical that's found inside some of these vaping uh, materials, and it causes this, this um, like... Um, degradation of some of the, the lung tissues and whatnot. Um, there's also this issue too where, where a lot of these um, foreign-made uh, tobacco, smokeless tobacco or vaping-based products are, are manufactured, are not manufactured in a safe capacity. So we're worried about purities, uh, impurities, things like that, as well as the actual manufacturing of the, the vaping tool itself can actually, some of them have been known to explode um, and, and cause significant damage to the person just from actually exploding. Um, so we, we do not recommend smokeless, or I'm sorry, not smokeless, um, um, the vaping tools to, to uh, users as an, a safer alternative method because we, we don't have evidence to suggest that. Uh, marijuana, very commonly used. It's actually legal now in some states and some jurisdictions in the city of Albuquerque. Um, it's no longer, it's not legal, but it's no longer, um, an offense that can actually bring you to, to jail. So long as you're under, I believe, uh, it's a quarter ounce or an ounce. I'm not sure, but there are some stipulations that the city has kind of, uh, looked away as a means to help to control, say like, um, uh, populations in prisons and jails and whatnot. So you're, you're starting to see that become a little bit more common, but under federal law, it still is an illegal substance. So we're going to talk a little bit in the context of that right now. Um, marijuana is a hemp plant derivative, uh, and it's been used for thousands of years in, in various capacities um, in all over the world in different capacities. But it does have this sedative type effect. Uh, it can lead to constipation, obesity, because it does increase... Um, 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 retention of some of these contributing factors to uh, obesity. Um, the addictive chemical that gives you that, that high sensation is a uh, THC or tetrahydrocannabinoid. Uh, and so THC, um, uh, can actually now be extracted from some of these compounds. Uh, so things like CBD oil, for example, you've heard of CBD oil, which is just the cabinet, cabinet all, um, oil aspect of it. It doesn't get you high, but it does supposedly have some of those medicinal properties that you would see with marijuana otherwise. So a lot of places have, um, you started to see those kinds of storefronts crop up. Um, and CBD uh, is in tons of different things now. It can be in water, it can be in um, creams, uh, so on and so forth. So those are becoming a lot more popular. There's no real regulation on those as of yet, but but stay tuned. I'm sure that that's coming in the near future. Um, so back to marijuana. Um, again, the federal government still considers it illegal. It is still considered a Schedule One drug for all intents and purposes. Um, but um, again, you're seeing states, even local jurisdictions, um, 
changing that and and the federal government's kind of turning a blind eye for the time being because it is bringing in a lot of of money to the states um adverse effects for marijuana anxiety or panic attacks could be one paranoia uh increased mood alterations increased heart rate um breaks with reality this altered reality state can occur as well as memory or concentration or learning impairments um Long-term usage can also mimic a lot of like what a chronic smoker would sound like. They have that chronic cough, that smoker's kind of hack, uh, shortness of breath, as well as other lung disorders. So you're still introducing foreign chemicals into the lung tissue, which can cause um, some of these detrimental effects that we see with tobacco use. Uh, cocaine. Uh, there is very, very limited medicinal use of cocaine, um, we can be used to treat locally as a paste, um, like a local anesthetic topical paste, as well as a um, uh, a treatment for glaucoma. But we rarely ever see those used because of the high addictive nature of cocaine. So these we've got to have some really, really, really desperate needs for for using cocaine as some of these uh, more medicinally approved um, uh, treatment options. Uh, but they're they're derived from coca leaves. Um, they're traditionally snorted um, or resorbed through the nasal cavity, uh, which in result basically stimulates dopamine, serotonin, and noradrenaline um, release responses, which gives the individual that, that high effect um, and that well-being sensation that they can that they would endure. Um, a, a derivative of cocaine uh, crack, which is like a free-based method that requires cocaine powder to be alkalized. Um, and then they remove the hydrochloric salt uh, so that it can basically be heated and smoked. And they do that through a pipe uh, type mechanism um, or it can be injected as well. Uh, but again, we're, I mean, this is just not a good drug to take in and of itself. But then when you're performing these, these altered versions of cocaine, you're, you're releasing some of these impurities and making them more, more bioavailable to the body, which can result in a lot of other negative type effects. Um, but anyways, so adverse effects for cocaine, uh, they can cause necrosis for the nasal tissues if it's snorted or chest pain and lung disorders if it's smoked. Um, but regardless of the, of the route of administration, um, increased blood pressure and heart rate, sweating, anxiety, dysfunction of the central nervous system, uh, which can result in a lot of bodily dysfunctions occurring. Um, and it is highly, highly, highly addictive and highly potent. And so in, even in some cases, one dose could lead to death. Um, ecstasy or MDMA, um, is referred to this, um, antacogen type drug essentially where it's, it gives the user this warm and friendly, fuzzy, uh, feelings and sensations. Um, but it is an amphetamine derivative at the end of the day. And so what it does is it basically just floods the brain with this serotonin, um, and this dumping of the serotonin into the brain, um, provides this euphoric, very happy, positive type event. But then what happens is the, it's, the body's depleted and there's this sudden drop and it can cause severe, severe depression um, uh, afterwards. So onset, 20 to 90 minutes or so with a duration of about three to five hours. Um, some people will report having a lingering type effect or even up to a week afterwards, but it, it decreases over time. But then again, they get that, that depletion um, sensation afterwards that can lead to severe depression it can even um, cause individuals to become suicidal uh, because of the severe drop in in, in uh, serotonin levels 
Um, it, it is considered a party drug and it's meaning that it's often taken in social situations, much like how you would see like tobacco or alcohol taken in, at, at gatherings and whatnot. Um, but individuals can overdose on ecstasy. Some of those signs and symptoms could be things like nausea, vomiting, dehydration, um, clumsiness, or uncoordinated type movements. They will have an increase in body temperature. Um, they might have some kind of hangover um, looking liver type damage. So with longer term usage as well as kidney failure. And finally, uh, we have gamma hydroxybutyrate or GHB, which is, which is your date rate rape drug. Um, it does cause a euphoria or feeling uh, similar to that of alcohol intoxication, which is where individuals will suddenly feel like they've just had way too much to drink all too quickly. Uh, oftentimes this is picked up upon because they, the amount of alcohol consumed doesn't necessarily match up with the, the sensation of feeling intoxicated. They've not had enough alcohol to feel as intoxicated as they, as they do feel, but they still lose kind of those, those motor controls and things like that, thus leaving it more susceptible to, to assault. Um, you will see some bodybuilders use this, um, to get into deeper sleep states or allow them to stay there. Again, they're, they're hyped up with things like, uh, HGH or, or, um, um, some of those steroids and whatnot that we've talked about previously. Um, and supposedly because of that, it helps to create a greater muscle growth potential because they're well, more well-rested and able to mobilize more of those nutrients, but that's not been well-studied or, or documented. So, um, But some of the adverse effects of GHB, uh, nausea and vomiting, muscle weakness, extreme fatigue, respiratory depression, and coma.